0: You're Locked on Packers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to Locked on Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked on Packers, the number one. Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin in the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how, and you can always find us on the all new Himalaya podcast app. I highly recommend you also check out Locked on NFL right now, especially with our NFL mock draft series. The Packers have two first round picks, so I was on there. At least twice, don't want to spoil anything, but there may or may not have been a third pick thrown in there. A little trade action for the Packers able to move up and secure a selection that I think would really help Green Bay. So go check that out. Go listen to the content that we put out there to get you ready for the NFL draft. And we're going to have a lot more content getting you ready for the NFL draft in the coming days. Jason Hershorn going to be back on the program with me. Ben Fennell going to be back on the program with me. And then we're going to get you all set for the NFL draft, which is next week already, if you can believe it. And the draft is the impetus for our two main topics today. One is a key need for Green Bay. We talked about the needs yesterday. If you missed that show, go back and listen to that. You can do it before you listen to this show. You can do it after you listen to this show. It doesn't really matter. But protecting the quarterback, in this case, for the Packers especially, is extremely important for the future of this franchise, near-term, long-term, any term. It is always important to protect the quarterback. And so I think there are some clues that the Packers are providing us that that suggests the Packers have interest in selecting an offensive lineman early. Their cards are a little bit out there. You know, if you're playing poker with someone and they don't hold their cards quite close enough to their chest, you may not be looking per se. You may not be trying to get a, a view of those cards, but they may just be out there. And it seems like Green Bay is showing their hand a little bit with the offensive line. Now, there were also reports earlier this week about Green Bay and a potential Drew Locke visit, top 30 visit, and the idea that they may have wanted to bring in Daniel Jones for a visit. What is the deal? What's going on with the quarterbacks? Why would they be interested in quarterbacks? I have a theory about this, and I'm going to save that for a little bit later in the show. And then there was an interesting interview with Albert Breer with uh, new Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur. And there's just one little nugget from that that I want to pull out and and spend just a, a few minutes of time on. As we, you know, we spend a lot of time on the draft. So, you know, as these other little nuggets come out, I want to to have the time. I want to give us the room to breathe when it comes to this stuff and just say, let's take three, four minutes and have a discussion about this. But let's start with the offensive line because this is a position that Green Bay has shown tremendous interest in over the course of the offseason. And at the combine, they talked to seemingly everyone, And they have had visits set up with a number of top 50 offensive tackles. Andre Dillard, Jonah Williams, Dalton Reisner, Juwan Taylor, Caleb McGarry, Greg Little, Titus Howard. These are all legitimate offensive tackle prospects in the NFL. And some people believe that Jonah Williams and Dalton Reisner are guard prospects. There are There is a sect of, of evaluators that think Caleb McGarry might be a guard prospect, but most people believe Andre Dillard is purely an offensive tackle. Titus Howard, purely an offensive tackle. Greg Little, purely an offensive tackle. Juwan Taylor, purely an offensive tackle. So if Green Bay is interested in an offensive tackle, they want one early. All of these guys are considered top 50 picks. Green Bay happens to have three top 50 picks the Jonah Williams addition to this group and Tom Silverstein reported that Green Bay is going to have a visit with Williams is of particular interest to me because as I stack these players I hadn't included Jonah Williams in this in the Packers discussions for two reasons number one I think for them he's probably a guard And number two, athletically, he's just not the player that they generally seek when it comes to the NFL draft. Now, one of the players Jonah Williams has been comped to in this process is Brian Bulaga. He was also not the athletic profile of the kinds of players Green Bay has traditionally gravitated toward in the NFL draft. So could they break their tendency again? And pick someone like Jonah Williams. Maybe they could. Now at 12, are they going to break athletic tendencies? And are they going to break what I think is pretty well-established code for them? And that is they don't take guards in the draft. Now Jonah Williams played tackle. All those guys' names that I mentioned are tackles. But they generally also don't take offensive tackles to play guard early in the first round, for example. So to take one at 12 would be a significant departure from their draft strategies under Ted Thompson. And we don't really know, with the track record of Brian Goodikens only being one season, if he would be opposed to doing something like that. Now, if you look at this roster, they signed Billy Turner. It could be the case that They see him as the long-term right tackle on this team, but someone who can play guard. And so in a pinch, in a one-season stint, he's going to play guard in 2019 and then eventually take over for Brian Bulaga in 2020. It could also be the case, and I think if we're going to extrapolate anything from all of these visits, the thing to extrapolate more than anything else is these are all offensive tackle prospects who could play offensive tackle in the NFL. And so if that is true, then Green Bay could be looking for a Brian Bulaga replacement. Now, I have been on record as saying I think the prudent course of action with Bulaga is to give him an extension. That said, he's going to be 30 next offseason when his contract is up. His injury history is well documented, has not consistently played, Healthy seasons, now he's played through injury, but and he's played a lot of those seasons, really only had one season where an injury really derailed him in recent vintage. but can he be relied upon? In a draft where there are quality offensive line prospects, can Green Bay afford to pass even after signing Billy Turner. Signing one of these offensive tackles would give them the flexibility to keep Turner at guard if necessary or, if it turned out that Jonah Williams or Dalton Reisner were on the board, and they felt like Turner was the right tackle future, and that was why they paid him the money that they paid him, then you could slide that person into guard. No harm, no foul. So, you know, can we extrapolate how they feel about Brian Bulaga based on the the, pre, the pre-draft visits? I think we can. I think this says something about how they feel about the future of this offensive line at right tackle. And is everything solved if they just take one of these guys? No, because they have to prove they can play in the NFL. We don't have any idea if they can. Do they want to get more athletic? They probably do. Do they want to get younger? Maybe they do. Certainly Brian Gutekinds made signings in the offseason With youth in mind, 25, 26, all of these guys that come in with these big money deals. Green Bay understands that they're building for more than just 2019. They're building for 2020, 2021, 2022 in particular with the window of Aaron Rodgers. So if they're going to take someone, how much shuffling do they want to do? If Billy Turner is going to play guard in 2019, Then one of these guys, do you really want to slot them in at right guard, which is a new position for them, and then move Turner to tackle? This was the kind of thing that the Packers were reluctant to do under Mike McCarthy, and that was shuffle guys around so that multiple guys are playing new positions. Rather than, say, Brian Bulaga slide into left guard, where you might be better suited than this other player... We're going to leave you at right tackle and slide this other tackle in at left guard to see if he can handle his business there. So if you have Brian Bulaga at right tackle and you have Billy Turner at right guard and Lane Taylor at left guard, we're, we're pretty much on board, I think. Everyone is with Bakhtiari and Lindsley at their respective positions. Let's say you draft one of these guys. What is the prudent course of action in terms of moving forward? If Brian Bulaga is going to walk, Do you want to move Turner from guard to tackle where he has developed, at least for a season, some sort of rapport with Corey Lindsley and some sort of built-in muscle memory with this offense and have a rookie who's now a second-year player in 2020 come in and learn a new position? Do you want to have two guys playing out of position or playing new positions, maybe not out of position, but at least new positions? As opposed to one, I think if you're going to take one of these guys at twelve it's because you believe either number one they are a pro Bowl guard prospect, and Billy Turner is a potential right tackle option for you, or you believe that they can play tackle those are the those are the two scenarios, and we've seen guards in recent vintage come in as top picks and play really well. Quentin Nelson is a prime example of this. He came in and changed the culture of the Colts. Now, I am not a big fan of a guard in the top 15, top 20. I think 12 would be a little early, but Green Bay does have a hole there. And if you draft someone who can play either, let's say you draft Jonah Williams or Dalton Reisner, I think even Juwan Taylor. When I studied Juwan Taylor, I felt like his his best position might be guard. If he can play either, then you can figure it out. Figure out where they fit the best. Caleb McGarry, same deal. There are some evaluators that think he is better served at guard. So if you have a bunch of guys who can play both, then that gives you opportunities. What you don't want is a group of guys who are a jack of all trades and masters of none. So, you know, my, if I'm reading the tea leaves here, my read on all of this is that what they want is a tackle because most of these guys can play tackle. Caleb McGarry can be a legit right tackle in the NFL. I think Jonah Williams can play tackle. I think Dalton Reisner can play tackle, especially right tackle. That matters in this equation. Even in the modern NFL, there is a little bit of difference between left tackle and right tackle. It is less than it was, you know, even five, 10 years ago. But a lot of these guys played right tackle. Reisner played right tackle. Juwan Taylor played right tackle. These are guys who they can play right tackle even if their top end pass blocking abilities are not primo. Andre Dillard's is. I think Jonah Williams can be. If you have a solid right tackle versus an all pro guard, you know, maybe you have to make a, a decision based on your roster on which is more valuable to you. That is certainly a luxury decision to have to make. And Green Bay would love to have to make it considering protecting Aaron Rodgers has to be, if not the top priority, one of the top priorities for this franchise. And speaking of protecting the franchise, there was a report on Monday that the Packers are going to have a top 30 visit with Drew Locke. And this was a bit of a surprise and I think, you know, there there is some sex of fans out there. There are groups of people in Packer Nation who believe there is some wisdom in finding a QB early to be the potential successor for Aaron Rodgers. And I don't want to get into all of the reasons why I think that's misguided and all of the reasons why I think drafting a player at twelve who you know best case doesn't play on his rookie deal is a bad idea. I don't want to go into that. I wrote about it for Me Packing Company. It's up on the website. You can go read it. We've talked about it on this podcast before. If you want to go find it, please go do that. Now is not the time. If you want to draft the successor 2021-2022, please that's great. That's fine. And if you want to draft a quarterback third round, fourth round, fifth round, Ron Wolf totally agrees that is also Fine, especially with the extra first round pick, Green Bay can probably grab three really good players. And at seventy-five, if you like Jared Stidham or you like, you know, big Bill Greer or you like Ryan Finley, go for it. Go for it. Because it seems like Deshaun Kaiser might just suck. And Tim Boyle, we don't know. Those guys are probably better than the the, the players that the Packers already have on their roster. That's not the question. The question is what could the Packers be doing here because there there is nothing prudent about taking a quarterback at 12 or even 30. It just doesn't make sense. You you can't he's not going to play. Aaron Rodgers is the starter for the next 3 years, probably the next 4 years. He's under contract for the next 5 years. He he has said on the record he wants to play until he's 40. This dude, if you draft him this year, is not going to play on his rookie deal in any meaningful way. And yes, it is the case that you'd like to have a quality backup. Go find a veteran. Convince Josh McCown to play behind Aaron Rodgers or something like that. That is the prudent play. Not spending premium draft capital on a quarterback. Here is my theory. And I like this one. I don't like, you know, all my theories are not great some of them i like more than others. It is not like children, they are not all they are not all equal. I don't love all my theories equally. I certainly love some of them more than others. I like this one. Green Bay is going to take a quarterback in the next few years. They are going to follow the Patriots model and it was the Packers model before that, the Chargers model. And let me explain by way of example. Green Bay in their scouting and evaluation process in the draft. They are unique, at least somewhat unique. There are other teams that do this. Their scouts write up evaluations of players. And they have regional scouts who bring their reports to the team. But then as a group, they watch film together. And one of the reasons they do this is because they want the scouts in the Southeast who never got to see the SEC guys or the Big 12 guys or the Pac 12 guys or whatever it is there could be elite prospects in those areas that other scouts never got to see and what you want is for those guys to understand what a true blue chip prospect looks like or a, a true red chip or a third round you know there are, there are data points that you want those guys to get. This is what it looks like. This is what we want. And, and you as a scout might go your entire season and not get to scout one of those guys just by the luck of the draw. If it is the case that Green Bay understands part of their long-term vision is they need to find a successor for Aaron Rodgers and they're probably going to do that in the draft, then it makes sense for them to say, we want to collect data points. We don't expect to pick in the top. Five, top 10 top 15 in 2020 or 2021 when we might be trying to find a successor for Aaron Rodgers that's another reason why using a, a, a top pick doesn't make sense this is their opportunity to get an impact player that helps buoy Aaron Rodgers that helps lift Rodgers to Super Bowl contention not find his replacement if they need to they can bottom out and do that in the future Instead, what you do is you say, let's scout Jared Stidham. Let's scout Drew Locke. Let's scout Daniel Jones. Guys who are likely to be available in the mid to late first or that maybe you have to trade up for but aren't great. Maybe you don't have to give up a ton. You know, the Mitchell Trubisky types. I know the Bears traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky, but he should have gone in the 20s. Drew Locke is, is truly a 20s Quarterback. So is Daniel Jones. They might go above that because of this draft. They're not worth that draft pick. So Green Bay could be saying these are the guys against whom we're going to measure future quarterbacks because we're unlikely to have a shot at the Trevor Lawrences and the Tua Tangovailoa's and the top, top players that are going to be the elite quarterbacks in drafts for years to come. We're going to have to take those second-tier players, the Derek Cars, those kinds of guys. So let's get a baseline. Let's start working on it. Let's bring in some of these guys and say, okay, this is what we're working with. This is what a, a, a mediocre quarterback in the first round probably should be in the second round looks like. Okay, this is the range of player we're probably going to be targeting. So what does that look like moving forward? If you're the Packers, that is your mindset. As a due diligence project, I think it makes a ton of sense. And that is, to me, what makes the most sense when it comes to the reports about Drew Locke and Daniel Jones. Nothing else really makes sense because drafting one of those guys, even if they fall to 30, doesn't make any sense. This makes sense to me. And so as a result... You know, Occam's Razor and all that. It seems like the simplest solution is that they're trying to get a baseline and do some due diligence in preparation for future picks down the line. Before we get out of here, I want to circle back on something that we talked about last week about Audibles and Matt Lafleur and everything that went on after the 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 tie down piece in Bleacher Report, Albert Breer. I got a chance to talk to Lafleur after his first week in camp with the Packers and, and asked him about changing plays at the line of scrimmage, and I think this is something that fans are wondering about as well. Everyone can say things are fine and things are good and the working relationship is great, but what happens that first time Aaron Rodgers goes in the huddle and Matt Lafleur calls a play he doesn't like and Rodgers changes it? Is this a point of contention? Is this an undermining? Is this an issue? Here is what Matt LaFleur said. You got a guy with that much experience who can see things. If he can get us into the perfect play, why wouldn't you give him that freedom? The biggest thing, I'm hoping that we do a good enough job as a staff that he doesn't have to do that in terms of the play calls and setting us up and being in the right looks. That's the goal, to take that off him because I just want him to go play. But certainly, if there's a play that's not going to be good, yeah, please save us. That'd be great. This is what you want your head coach to say, even even not in the face of of the Bleacher Report reporting and everything that, that was in that story. You want a coach to say, we want to make things easy for our quarterback. We want to take responsibilities off his plate and, and we don't want him to have to go win games by himself. We want to make things easier for him. This is something the Patriots do. It's easy to say, oh, well, everything's on Tom Brady. Well, a lot is on Tom Brady, but a lot is on Josh McDaniels being a great play caller and a great play designer and getting them in looks and in situations where they're best suited to succeed. That is what Green Bay needs a coach and a play caller to do. Matt LaFleur clearly understands or at least says he understands the importance of the relationship that he has as a play caller not just as a head coach as a play caller to be in sync with Rodgers and so what they want to do is not just make the right play call but they want the system and everything about the offense to make life easier for Rodgers so as LaFleur says Rodgers can just go play just go play Just go do the things that you're great at and don't feel the need to be perfect every snap. We're going to make things easier for you. The play design is going to do more of the work and the concepts are going to do more of the work and the calls are going to do more of the work because we're going to set stuff up and we're going to have a call in the first quarter that leads to a call in the third quarter that's going to set up a touchdown. And that is something that young quarterbacks can't grasp, and it's something that a veteran quarterback like Rodgers needs to understand and needs to trust implicitly and immediately in Matt LaFleur to say, look, you can do this. I'm going to let you take care of it. He has to do that. You want a coach to say, we want to make life easy for our quarterback. That's something you often hear related to young quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks. Well, we want to make life easy for him. And usually when we think about making life easy for the quarterback, what we think about is simple reads, half-field reads, defined reads, simple plays. That's not the case. What you want is to give your quarterback plays where he doesn't have to do everything, where the play design is going to help. And you're going to create space, and you're going to create windows to throw the ball, and you're going to create reads that are easy to decipher so that you don't have to stress your quarterback every single snap. The analogy that I like to use in golf is one of the reasons why I think Jordan Spieth has been inconsistent the last few years is he is not the virtuoso physical talent that someone like Rory McElroy is. This, is. this is a good analogy given what we saw at the Masters. Tiger Woods at his peak was just more talented than everyone else. And he could cruise to pars and even birdies just based on pure talent. But Jordan Spieth has to grind. And he is a magician. He can make putts that no one else can. He can scramble to get up and down like no one else can. But he has to grind over every single shot. It's like the kid in class who has to grind to make A's versus the kid who can just sort of make an A. Well, what you want is you want to make life easy for your quarterback, play to play, and then in those moments, in the red zone, on third down, whenever you need that play, then maybe you say those are those moments where you want your quarterback, if he has to, to really be in a position to make those plays. We just saw with Tiger Woods at the Masters, he didn't force anything. He just sort of played until the last six holes, basically. He let other people make mistakes, and then when he needs to go make birdies, he did. That's what you want from your quarterback. Just just be able to play within the system most of the time, and then six, eight, ten times a game, go make a play. That is the best way to maximize Rodgers. That is the best way to prolong his career. And that's what you want to hear from a coach who says, I want to give him some easy stuff. I want to give him some defined stuff where he doesn't have to think. He doesn't have to be Superman. He doesn't have to go win the game by himself because we're going to have plays and we're going to have concepts that make life easier for him. That's what you want your coach to say. Even if Rodgers might want to go make every play, that's not what you want as an organization because you want to protect him not only from defenses but from himself and wanting to make every play. If he knows this is a this is a free first down or this is a free deep shot, he's going to take it. He's smart enough to understand that you have to take those opportunities. And so if he can buy in early and Matt LaFleur can execute those things because you still have to do the thing. You know, it's one thing to say we want to make life easier for Rodgers, and it's another thing to actually do it. So we'll see if he can do it. All right, next week is the draft, but this week we're going to have shows Thursday, Friday. Remember, every day this week, every day next week, instant reaction to what's going on in the NFL draft. Jason Hershorn is going to come on to preview the NFL draft for us. From the Packers' perspective, Ben Fennell's going to come on to give us his perspective as well on some of these top prospects, some of his favorite players in the draft, some players that he thinks Green Bay ought to target. So we're going to have a lot more draft content coming up. And then next week, we're going to focus each draft position. Who are the players in play? Who are the players the Packers should be considering based on? the conversations we had yesterday who are the players that can maximally impact this roster well that is directly related to the players that are going to play positions where they're going to get on the field and make an impact at least relatively early in their careers the draft is not simple it is nuanced it is complicated so that's why we have so much time to talk about it i love that we have so much time to talk about it because we need that time remember you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, on the all-new Himalaya podcast app. And be sure to check out all the work we're doing in the lead-up to the NFL Draft at Locked on NFL, at Locked on NFL Draft, and at Draft Dudes. The mock draft is really awesome. I listened to some bits of it. I wasn't able to listen to it all the way through because it's a lot, frankly. But... It's worth your time, so go check it out. If you've got a car trip, a plane trip, something coming up, go check that out. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline, you can do that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions after the draft, a lot of comments. So get your Twitter fingers ready, your texting fingers, whatever, whatever you're gonna use here, hit me up on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775. And always stay. Locked on Packers.